all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'm Rachel. <laughs> I'm David. And this is all bad things. You know I did that on purpose, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're taking a sip. I bet I can get you to laugh and spill it on yourself. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. I had that coming. <laughs> Follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Don't go to our website. It's not you, really a thing. You know I'm going to get your back, right? You are. <laughs> I know that. Okay. Might come this episode. I accept it. Might come the next episode. I won't know that. You'll never know. <laughs> you make me cough. <laughs> well, I'll try not to do that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. That was not a planned spit take. <laughs> <laughs> so now I will take a sip. Okay, I won't say anything. Without you. Ah, delicious. I didn't say anything. <laughs> what are you drinking? What you drinking, eh? We've been watching too much Fargo. Uh, we, we have been watching too much Fargo, and now, like, I sometimes when I dream, I, I dream in the Midwestern. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, no okay. Kidding. <laughs> no, okay. No, no. No. <laughs> I'm drinking a... I'm drinking Michelob Ultra Prickly Pear. <laughs> you just have the giggles now. I do. I'm trying to say it as you would say Michelob? it in Bemidji. Michelob? Michelob. Michelob? Michelob Ultra. Oh, yeah. Prickly Pear and Lime, eh? Oh, Prickly Pear, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I am drinking <laughs> Passion Fruit. It literally just says Passion Fruit Gosa Beer by Noda Brewing Company out of Charlotte. Noda. Nora. Oh yeah. I can't. Get, no, I can't get it back in the koozie. Yeah, that's why. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to spilling it. You know, right? That'll it's be your. That'll, that'll be the revenge for the spit. Tape. Yeah, right. It's not bad. It's not like. Mm, Let me try. Not the best ghost I've had, but it's not bad. Maybe uh, I'm not the biggest passion fruit fan. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Perfectly fine. It's not too not too sour. Noda does make good beers, though. They do. We went there once. Yes, we did. I remember. We may go one day again we if may... travel is possible. Yes, we may We may once again go to Charlotte. Yes. At some point. <laughs> yes, indeed. Which I highly recommend going to when there's not a pandemic going on. Charlotte, North Carolina. Yes. yes. And stay in the downtown area because mm-hmm. you can just walk everywhere. You can take the, the, light, the light rail, rail everywhere. Yeah. It's a little more. It's a little more. A little more expensive for a hotel, but for the uh, but for the experience, just yeah, you park your car in the hotel lobby and then you don't have to get in it again until you leave. I feel like that's kind of the in the hotel lobby. I said in the hotel garage. Park your park your car in the hotel lobby. (laughs) That's a a pretty. (laughs) Please don't try that. (laughs) That's a pretty awesome feature. (laughs) That's that's reason alone to go to Charlotte. Tonight. Yeah, I guess. I <laughs> it's very cute. Um, I feel like I, this is probably the case everywhere, but in um, in North Carolina, like all the places you can stay, 
I'd say this is true for like Winston Salem, Asheville, Charlotte. I'd say Raleigh. it's true of Raleigh, but we've never stayed downtown Raleigh because well, we live but here. But <laughs> staying downtown makes more sense. Yeah. Just in general, I think we did it in Roanoke. That mm-hmm. was very nice. Um, even though you this like travel corner <laughs> nobody's going bad, anywhere let's give travel tips literally all bad travel because <laughs> yes, there's a uh, nobody's doing yeah. it yeah and there's a contagion going on exactly still um, yes in case anybody forgot yeah it's it, it'll be a few years so yes indeed wear your mask and if you choose not to wear a mask may i suggest if you are Let's say walking down the hall of an office building and someone is walking in the opposite direction wearing a mask, hugging the opposite wall because you are not. Don't fucking say hello. Do not speak. Your fucking little germy mouth water is coming out into my air. And I don't even know who you are. Shut the fuck up. That may have happened today. Into my yeah. air. <laughs> Into my air. <laughs> I own the air. Ugh. It's just like, I was just like, I don't know who you are. It's, it's Why like, are you saying hello? It's like, and, you're, uh, it's like you're coming across as the, the Marquess of Hardington or something. <laughs> Marquess of Hardington. That's my title. <laughs> it's my air. Uh, it's, but, but, anyway, but anyway, staying in downtown. Oh yeah, it's just it, it it's more expensive to stay in downtown hotels, but typically what you'll save in like lift fares and, or and, and parking kinda, fees. And kind of in headaches too. It's just kind of a hassle to get around a town that you're not as familiar mm-hmm. with. So yeah. Yeah, I say if especially if it's a walkable city. Mm-hmm. That's a great <laughs> this is like travel tip corner. Yes, back to it. <laughs> that's that's what this episode is actually. Yeah, we're, it's just all gear. travel tips. All good travel tips. Um I would like to give a slight preamble. So um, this uh, is a disaster that happened that we're going to be covering is a disaster that happened relatively recently. Um, And this has been mentioned a couple of times and once by somebody that like it really came out of left field. And I was like, I I don't even know what you mean. Um, But so one of the criticisms of us, aside from our banter (laughs) some people consider our tone to be quote disrespectful um and somebody like people have commented that a couple of times here and there but somebody got on our case about the aberfan disaster saying that we were disrespectful um the idea i think some people have is that if you are going to and this is i think their point of view if you are going to discuss disasters you must do so solemnly i'm guessing that's what they mean i guess because the thing is we have never mocked victims nope or the circ or, or the circumstances or anything like that we, we laugh at stuff surrounding all those things. We laugh at our own little tangents and stuff. But we do not disrespect victims or the circumstances or things like that. So what I think people mean by that is they just don't like the idea of any levity cross-contaminating with disaster. Uh, it basically comes down to people not liking levity really at all. Or if... I don't know. I, I don't know. But at any rate, um, one, don't listen to... A podcast literally categorized as comedy, if that is the case. Called All Bad Things. Yes. That says it's a 
Okay, we said that not it's like a disaster podcast, we're, we're trigger warning, comedy. We're not exactly being subtle. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, so just to make it clear, if you're a first timer tuning in, if you don't like the idea of people laughing not at people or, or terrible things, rather laughing at all the silly things surrounding what we talk about, because you know why? Talking about this shit is a fucking bummer. Like, it's awful. It's terrible. Most of the time it is, yes. And what laughter and levity is known as in this context is a coping mechanism. And if we had to go talking about, like, morose things all the time, like, we would have stopped at episode 10. (laughs) Instead, we're at 156 because it's made at least semi-bearable. By the fact that we can laugh at ourselves and little things surrounding all of this. I say that because this is a recent disaster. It's a terrible disaster. There might be people who know people who know people or something like that who were actually involved. There was quite a large number of survivors. And so if you don't like that idea, turn this off. What the fuck are you doing listening? Stop. And if you don't like that idea in general, don't listen to if it's just like, okay, well, I don't mind it in general, just not this topic. Well, look at the fucking topic and then don't listen. Like, it's not. Yeah. And if you think we're being disrespectful, I respectfully disagree. It just it just really bothers me when people say that because it's like it's just not true. It's not, in my opinion. So I just had multiple rants there at the bit to get it out of the top. (laughs) Speaking of not being subtle. Yeah. But yes, I, but I agree. But I mean, that's why I don't let it bother me because I, I consider myself a veteran of Twitter. (laughs) And, uh, that's really part of the reason I don't go on it anymore is because I've kind of like weaned off of it as Mm, like a, as like a drug. It's like, it's like, it's like, I don't need it anymore. Like, it's just, it's just, it's not really, re- it's it's not a, an accurate perspective of reality. No, that's it true. really isn't. You're right about that. It's an accurate perspective of what any random person's thoughts are at that mm-hmm. given moment. Mm-hmm. Which and they isn't can be, even representative of them it, as a person. Yeah. Not at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could just be <clears throat> pissed off or really happy mm-hmm. in one instant and want to share it. And it's just, yeah. it's a fucking cesspool. And yeah. like, I... I can't, I think maybe I feel better because I'm not on it as much. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I can see that. And it's just like, it, yeah, it, it's, but there's, there's always going to be people that you can't satisfy. And because we live in a world where you can literally voice your opinion on whatever you want to mm-hmm. instantly, then people are just going to, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you have to listen. Yes. I, I, I try to respond to everybody and I did respond to that person just because I think it's rude to ignore people. Even though sure. I apologize to everyone who I've emailed like two weeks after you emailed us. That does happen. But I always get back eventually. Um, oh, Chris, I couldn't find the Action Park script. I'm getting back to you now. Oh. That shit. <laughs> he knows where that one is. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it is. I Somewhere in this house. Or something. <laughs> no, I looked through our pile. Oh, okay. Anyway. We that might have been scripts. one we did off the iPad. We'll send you an iPad with a script on it. <laughs> then we'll have a fan for life. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm kidding, we're not actually going to do that no. just in case somebody legally tries to. <laughs> but uh 
Yeah, it's just one of those things that that gets to me because because I'm the one who deals with all the comments. Right. Yeah, I understand. It's a fair thing to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Yes. I guess we should proceed <laughs> now that I'm completely bummed out. <laughs> well, it'll set the right tone then, won't it? Oh, yes, it will. This is a bad one. This is a podcast called All Bad Things. This is a bad one. This is a bad thing. Um, but it's also something that I don't think you all have heard of, although maybe I'm wrong. Um, and was not something I had heard of until I, it was something really, really random I was doing. I think it was a Wikipedia wormhole or something. Like I was looking at something on my phone and then this was just randomly mentioned or something. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, wow. So, um, for some reason, fan favorites are air disasters. People love a plane crash. I don't completely get it, but okay, fair enough. Um, this is a little bit of a spin, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, on, uh, see, that's physical comedy, like me winking exaggeratedly works so well on podcasts. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, a spin on an aviation accident. I, uh, accident. I already, I already told you what the spin was, right? Yes. Okay. So you know it's a helicopter crash. Yes. This is our first helicopter crash. I can't believe it is, but I guess it is. I can't. I can't think, I can't of, think of another of, one, I and I can't either. I didn't look at our list, but I don't think we've and done helico- that. Helicopter crashes aren't generally as famous unless it involves a recently retired NBA player, legend of a sport. Yeah, that's but, uh, that's one we'll do one day. Yeah. It, it already feels like it was sixteen it years does. ago. It felt like it was five years ago. It was at only the, like five at the, at the least. Ago? Yeah. yeah. But uh, um, helicopter Brian crashes died, but obviously happen, they happen but because of the casualties, because a helicopter is a small vehicle, yep. Smaller thus, numbers. thus carrying a small amount of people, they just don't get as talked about as often. Right, right. And unless like a famous person is in the helicopter, such as the case of Kobe Bryant, yeah, yeah it's it's not as... We should publicized or widely covered. I, I you brought this up a couple weeks ago. Well, we're just gonna throw this out here in mm-hmm. teaser corner. Who, kn- who knows when we'll get to it? <laughs> Very true. Please remember <sighs> that. It, and temper it, your expectations. It may or may not have been suggested. I, I mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised either way. Um, uh, the plane crash that killed Payne Stewart. That's a pretty interesting Payne one. Stewart. The the golfer. You mentioned it. Mm-hmm. You mentioned it. I believe that's a that's a, that's a really is. interesting one though because okay. where the plane was supposed to land and where it wound oh, up. Oh, that's right. We looked into that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. it was way off. Okay, it was, it was like Samsonite that plane crash. Yeah, right. In terms of just how off it was, is in terms of where it was supposed to go. Is yeah. in terms of where, where it, it wound ended. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that'll be one to add add to the list. Now people are like. Get pain steward. Like yeah, hmm. what what is a pain steward? What is a pain steward? Well, is I imagine type, you have to be. Window? Imagine you have to be into. You have to be into golf to know golfers aside from like Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus. Or right? you have to be around my age because he was famous at one point, but he's like been, name brand famous. Yes, okay. but he he's been passed away for so long that he's kind of forgotten. Oh. But if you're around my age, people people did he die kind of young? I want to say he was probably my age now when he died. Okay. Yeah. You, were you a kid when it happened or something? No, no, no. I was uh, 19. I was 22. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now that we've discussed that, <laughs> <laughs> the plane crash we're not doing. No, no, no. No, we should cover that eventually. That that was a very interesting case for sure. All right. So this is the story of the Klufa helicopter crash. 
Okay. So on November 29th, 2013, okay. a police helicopter crashed into the Clutha Vaults, a pub in Glasgow, Scotland, killing 10 pe- people and injuring another 31. Damn. So this is a high casualty count for such a small aircraft. And people on the ground obviously got killed. Well, Sounds like. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll get into all of that. So primary sources for this were the BBC, The Daily Record, The Guardian, The Herald, Scotland, How Stuff Works. And you'll know exactly when the How Stuff Works. This is the ELI-5, like, how do helicopters work? I, I came up to how, how Stuff Works. So thank you, How Stuff Works. The Scotsman, Scottish Courts and Tribunals, The Telegraph, and Wikipedia. That'd be nice. funny if there was a Wikipedia. It's just Wikipedia. all about Wikipedia. Wicker. Wicker chairs. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's start... With our old standby geography corner this week. Um, so the the location of this week's disaster is Glasgow. And not just Glasgow, but central downtown Glasgow. So uh, at the banks of the River Clyde. Hmm. So Glasgow is kind of, if you look at it on a map, sort of western Scotland technically. Glasgow is the capital, right? Oh, Scotland? Jesus. We're not going to have a Boston oh, are we? Moment, are we? <laughs> I oh think it is. Oh, my God. What is the I think, capital? I think it is. It's because it's Hold the... On, we'll, uh, find, we'll look this up so we don't... It's because it's the only city in Scotland I know. I remember. Edinburgh? That's right. I was just thinking about Inverness? that, Inverness? No, it's not that. It I could be Edinburgh. I know it's not that. I'm just naming cities um, in Scotland. What? I, I do not want to get Scottish people mad at us. Yeah, you don't want to We already got Bostonians. We, we already got massholes mad at us. So, <laughs> what is the capital of... Not North Carolina. We live here. I know that. <laughs> what is the capital of Scotland? Edinburgh. Oh, is it really? Okay. So I'm trying to think of where um, uh, train Saint spotting Andrews. takes oh, place. Oh. I don't know. I don't think it's I only in saw either. That once. Actually, I don't, I don't know. Somewhere in Scotland, <laughs> where it takes place is gloomy, and it kind of rains all the time. So that, that narrow it down. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it, that that feel- could that could mean that could mean. Seattle, Pennsylvania, or all of England. <laughs> I feel like in the, and the UK. In the US, we're really bad at small countries because we're just used we're to We're a like large country. Vast, yeah. yeah. And it's not just that we're a larger country because there's lots of cu- large countries. It's the states thing that fucks us up too because we're like, we can be shit at state geography, yeah. let alone um, international geography. So basically, Glasgow is kind of on the west coast, per se, of Scotland, but it's kind of like in an inlet okay. a little bit. So uh, Scotland, if you look at it on a map, is very craggy, or craggy is not the circuitous coastline, sort of. It's very, um, it's not like a square or anything like, uh, it, it's got a lot of coast. <laughs> and I'm not making any sense. At any rate, it's got a just lot of Google crags. map it. Google map it and you'll see what I mean. Mr. Creech lives there. (laughs) From Fargo. Um, So it's almost directly west and a little bit south of Edinburgh. So Edinburgh's on one side on the east coast and then Glasgow's on the the west side pretty much in line with each other, kind of-ish. Sort of. And uh, Glasgow is just south of the famous Loch Lomond. Is it not ringing any bell? Are you talking about like Loch Ness? No, like the, no, no, that's Loch Ness. This okay. is Loch Lomond. <laughs> you take the high road and I'll take the low road and I'll be in Scotland before you. 
For some reason, you think I know all these international hymns. I don't even know American <laughs> On ones. The bonnie, bonnie Do we even have them? <laughs> we have folk songs. We have folk songs. This land is your land. Oh, this sure. Land is my but I don't land. know the lyrics. I mean, I couldn't tell you. Do you just not know many songs? I don't know all the songs. No, you see, know. See, I know. I know. I know certain periods of songs, Between but you. But you know. Us, but you know all the songs. No, I don't. And I fill in. Yes, you, yes, you, you do. Fill in the gaps I fill in that, that gap yes, that you're, you're right. missing. You're right. <laughs> I fill in the '80s, '90s, and early 2000s. You do. You do. Between the two of us, we could really kick ass. You go all the way back to like 10,000, like BC or whatever it's called now. <laughs> Um, B.E. or B.C.E. Before B-C-E. the Common Era. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're like, anyway. You're like the Civil War battle hymn song. You don't know that one? How could you not know it? It's all about the South. You don't know it. <laughs> Are you referring to the battle hymn of the Republic when I sang that for you once? I might be. I don't know. Okay. Whatever that is. At any rate, the song is called Le Colomond and whatever. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the River Clyde runs through most of Glasgow, which connects Glasgow with the Firth of Clyde. Have you ever heard of the word Firth? Uh, as in Colin Firth. Other than Colin. No. <laughs> I had to look up what... A, okay, it was the Firth of Clyde. What is a Firth? Okay. A Firth is a thing. It's like an estuary, an so, inlet, an so ocean inlet. So Colin's one of those, just as a human. Well, he's not himself an inlet. Sure he is. He's a human one. It's just that's his last name. Come on. Um, So now every time I think of Colin Firth, I'll think of, oh, Firth, like an estuary or inlet. Uh, And that, the the Firth of Clyde leads to the North Atlantic Ocean. So Glasgow is a port city. Sure. It was apparently uh, always a very important port city, but especially during World War II, it played a big role for the UK. But... um, uh, it, Glasgow is the third most populous city in the United Kingdom, oh. but that is by official in-city limits population. So well, as sure. we know, some, some for big metro areas like London, the city oh, of London's London. Oh, London's metro area is ridiculous. But the city of London has like 8,000 people. So it's the sprawl that's right. the thing. So that's why it kind of skews that. So it's uh, I think Birmingham has like over a million people in the actual city. Then it's Leeds and then it's Glasgow. But Glasgow's urban sprawl is over a million people. So it is sizable. It definitely is sizable. Um, so it's it's not a it's not a tiny little town or anything like that. Uh, the name of the Clyde, the River Clyde goes way back to the time of the ancient Celtic people who are thought to have arrived in modern-day Britain somewhere around, like, 300 BCE. Somewhere with in the there. the original name being the Old Gaelic... <clears throat> you ready for me to try to pronounce Old Gaelic? Sure. Cluech. Excuse you? <laughs> <laughs> what? Aside from that... No, I, 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 think we'll, I think the judges... They accept can it. I, can I see what the... Yeah. C-L-U-A-I-D-H, but I looked up a Gaelic pronunciation yeah, guide, and it says that D-H is kind of like a... Cluide is maybe no, no, how no, I would... No. Uh, no, I'm saying if I were to guess. Cluade, it looks yeah. like, but it's <laughs> kind of like Kool-Aid. Yeah. Cluade, but it's... Better than farm aid. I think it's Cluade. Yeah. Anyway. That place. Aside from that, no one's really sure what the origin of that word actually is, so it's only speculative as to what it actually means but the exact location of this disaster is a local pub called the clutha 
or variations thereof, which I'll get into. Um, it seems that the official name of this pub at the time of this disaster was the Cluth of Vaults. Okay. But, um, spoiler alert, they're still around. Um, and on their official Facebook page now, it calls them the Cluth of Bar. Okay. But they don't have an official website. So it's it's all very tricky. But anyway, um, I'll probably refer to it mostly as the Clutha, but... <clears throat> Um, and the word Clutha comes from the current Gaelic word meaning Clyde, so it's basically a name for its location. That's on the River Clyde. It is also <laughs> the name, like I did a little bit of <laughs> Wendy deep diving here. Uh, it's also the name of a traditional Scottish square dance. <laughs> I call it a square dance. I don't think that's what they call it. But it is like um, eight, or sorry, four couples, like facing each other in a square and then they do all this <laughs> dancing i watched like a two-minute video of people doing does somebody get served uh i don't think there's much serving in the clutha <laughs> um it was very cute it was a bunch of old people and all the men were wearing kilts and those big high socks so it was very sweet um and it was a good distraction for a couple minutes sure for, yeah so the Clutha is one of the oldest pubs in Scotland. Its history is actually really fascinating. It is a 200-year-old pub. Yeah, that, yeah, that's not surprising. It's one of the oldest in we're Glasgow. Talking, we're talking about Scotland. But it's one of the oldest in sure. Glasgow. So in 1814, a man from Glasgow. So do you know what people from Glasgow are referred to as? Glasgans. Glaswegians. Glaswegians. <laughs> Isn't that so cute? I'm gonna I name like uh, I think I'm gonna name one of my uh, faux NHL 20 teams that the, the Glaswegians. Glaswegians. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cute. I like it a lot. Um, so in 1814, a Glaswegian developer named Matthew Park built a uh, started building a four-story tenement on Stockwell Street, which is on the banks of the River Clyde, and he <laughs> imaginatively. Named his building Parksland. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was imaginative for back then. Let's, let's give him some It could credit. have been Action Park. Yeah, get it? Could have been. <laughs> so Stockwell is one of Glasgow's oldest streets, and Glasgow itself was founded in 1450. Um, Sounds about and right. And obviously was occupied well before that. So po- Post William Wallace. Yeah, so the setting is very historic. In 1819, the lowest level of the tenement building was granted a liquor license and became the Clutha Pub. So it was tenements on the upper three levels and then a pub on the bottom. What else do you need? Exactly. It'd be kind of... That's, well, why, that's why there are tenements on the upper three levels, because right. there's the pub on the bottom Guess floor. so. The pub was the mainstay of Stockwell Street for decades and was especially popular with the people who worked at the fish market next door. And this is a picture of the Clutha, which is on the, remember, oh, this looks like five stories. I messed this up. It's five stories. Look at that. Because there's four on top and then one on the bottom. Mm-hmm. So it's a five-story building. Sorry. Anyway. I messed that up. Um, but that's the pub and then the tenements above it. Okay. Um, it went through, the Clutha went through many name changes over the years and was known at various times as the Merchant, the Wee Man's. And the Poppinjay. Near the end of the 1960s, big changes came to Parksland. When the three, when the four stories, mess that up, of tenements set atop the Clutha were demolished, leaving the building a single-story establishment, which I found really interesting because I'm like, 
That must have been tricky. How do you demolish just like the top of a building? I, I don't know. It, it, it's very interesting. But during this demolition, I would which, I would guess piece by piece. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, dismantle it yeah. kind of. Um, during this uh, demolition, the walls of the ground floor were reinforced. Sure. Probably to keep it from collapsing to be two feet thick. So that's more than half a meter thick. Um, as one of the seminal Glasgow pubs, it was known to have some famous patrons over the years, including Jerry Rafferty. I know that name. Baker Street. Baker Street. Uh, is he an artist? Uh, artist meaning a musician person, was he? about everything. Yeah. Oh, okay. With the ba da 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 the saxophone big intro. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't just don't know the words. <laughs> okay, anyway. Yeah. It's a new morning. Okay. I hate on. the song. Yeah, it's so pretty it's, terrible. Yeah. So, anyway. so enough about Jerry Rafferty. Interesting. Well, no, no, no. One more piece of trivia. He wrote, he did not record and perform, he wrote Stuck in the Middle with You, which you do know from Pulp I Fiction. I do. That was performed by Steeler's Wheel. Yes, it was. One Hit Wonder. But it was his songwriting, so he's making bank still every time they show Pulp Fiction. So uh, That'd be Reservoir Dogs. Oh, damn, you're right. Reservoir Dogs. You're damn Other... right. You're damn right. I'm right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Quentin Tarantino. You know you're Tarantino. Except for the last two films, which I've right. not seen either of them. I did not like Pulp Fiction. I did like oh Reservoir Dogs, though. Oh, they're both excellent. Tarantino bores me sometimes, <laughs> that man. He's clearly not Can't... someone I want to know in real life. <clears throat> Can get repetitive. I agree with you on that. Uh, don't meet your idols, as they say. Yeah. Or uh, never meet your heroes or whatever the hell. <laughs> but uh, like but yeah, the the dialogue in movie after movie gets a little bit. Uh, just trying to be too cool. But in the first, but yes. in the first two movies, it was it worked. Well, it was, it was still novel. Mm-hmm. And it was completely different. Like nobody expected that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Um, another famous person to patronize uh, the Clutha was Frank Zappa. Oh. Uh, but interestingly, Zappo was a teetotaler. I did not know that. He didn't drink. Really? Okay. I know. It surprised me. He also apparently didn't do hard drugs. Also surprises me. Yeah, because if he had, like, he was already weird enough. This is him straight. Right. That's <laughs> like what I'm his saying. Music is him like, straight. Like, that's pretty. Like, at some point, he just realized, like, I'm just too weird for drugs. Like, like I can't who, do drugs. Yeah, like, <laughs> who knows? I might, like, literally try to fly to the moon on my own if right? I take drugs. He, so that means he named his child, uh, his children, Moon Unit and Dweezel. Moonbeam? Moon Unit. Unit? Moon Unit. I know Dweezel. And yeah. Dweezel sober. Right. It's pretty good. <laughs> something. It's something. <laughs> it's better than I can do. <laughs> As the 20th century wore on, the pub was under the ownership of Brendan McLaughlin, who also ran the Scotia Bar next door. And for a while, the bar was known as... McLaughlin's for obvious reasons, but it was eventually returned to its original name of the Clutha Vaults. So, <clears throat> a short history of helicopters, <laughs> courtesy of How Stuff Works. So, the helicopter involved in this crash was, like <clears throat> I said, a police helicopter, right? Specifically, it was a Eurocopter EC-135, which first went into production in 1995. They're still made today. 
Uh, now this particular, the, the actual helicopter involved in this crash was built in 2007 and had a valid certificate of airworthiness that didn't expire until 2018. In other words, it was under proper permitting. Eurocopter is now known as Airbus Helicopters. It's a multinational corporation with its office headquarters in France and its main production plant in Germany. It's considered a light utility helicopter. Now, since this is literally our first helicopter crash, let's talk about how helicopter flight works. Um, because I was curious myself. We kind of talked about a uh, traditional plane uh, loft, but... Throttle and something else counter rotation is that what it is okay let's find out so i literally wrote i riddle literally riddle 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 wrote literally i literally wrote so we know from our learnings and our teachings you remember when paul and ron used to say that I don't. Yeah, no. that's a just throwback line. Anyway, <laughs> that an airplane works because as it speeds up, the airflow over, over and under the wings provide the lift, right? But obviously that's not what happens in a helicopter. The, the helicopters don't have a runway. No, they, they, just, they, ver- lift. they have vertical they takeoff. They vertical lift, yep. exactly. So um, that's that's the difference, obviously, but the main difference between a, um airplane and a helicopter is it's planes of motion there are nowadays like like jets that we use in war that can take Mm. off vertically but for the most part that's only something helicopters can do yeah certainly commercially Mm -hmm. or whatever yeah no we're not gonna have a commercial jet taking off vertically anytime soon (laughs) i don't think and helicopters can hover too right that again so the reason that they can do that is that unlike an airplane the wings of a helicopter move very quickly as they spin right in a rotary motion um, and at a slight angle that can control ascent and descent. So, uh, very interestingly and terrifyingly, if that was all there was to it. So imagine a helicopter, right? The helicopter body, nothing on the tail, but just a rotor on the top. Mm-hmm. You know what would happen if that happened? It would spin out of it control, left and right. Way. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, because the the little it would spin tail like a top. Because the little tail rudder, I guess it's called? It, or? No, it's called a tail rotor, I rotor. believe. Rotor, okay. It provides the counterbalance. Right. Yeah. So that's what keeps it from spinning left to right. Yes. So so that's, I, I thought that was, I was just like picturing this helicopter spinning out. Well, like, that's, that's what terrifying. you'll see in like war movies or... Oh, if it gets hit in the tail. In the tail, yeah. it spins uh-huh. out of control mm-hmm. because that's literally what would happen. That would be horrifying. Yeah. That is like nightmare fuel to me, so... Um, so but as but as Neil deGrasse Tyson has always said, like people ask him, like, well, in the future where we're supposed to have flying cars, he's like, mm-hmm. we do. They're called helicopters. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's his his yeah. whole like slight thesis. I've heard him explain it before. Is a helicopter is a flying car? He's like, that's what it Basically, is. Basically, it's a mo- it's only <laughs> yes. well, it's essentially only a mode of transportation. Yeah. Although we'll talk a little bit more about that, but um, it can stop. In midair. Mm-hmm. Hover. It can move Land. in any direction. It can, it can travel a great distance in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. not, not not like an airplane. No. But you can go, uh, like, obviously in the New York City area, if you have a lot of money, you're going to want to have a helicopter because you can just literally fly over traffic. Like in uh, succession. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can get from one side of the island in, like, two minutes. Yeah. So, uh, aircraft based on this rotary motion was conceptualized literally centuries ago 
when toys for children created by the Chinese around 400 BCE included bamboo spinners. You know, those little things that you like mm-hmm. wind up and yeah. let go? Kind of like that. Okay. So that concept of, of this flying because of this rapid ro- rotation, it's been around for like hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci famously de- designed a sort of prototype vertical yes. flying machine. Mm-hmm. Early attempts at helicopters were undertaken in the late 19th century. Uh, Thomas Edison worked on the invention. It didn't go so well initially. It actually, one of his prototypes ended in a an explosion that severely injured one of his workers. He had several prototypes, uh, one being the electric chair that also didn't go so well. well. <laughs> How does the electric chair fail? It fails to kill and well, harms majorly, I guess. Still killed the guy, but yeah. You know, just took a while. Just, yeah. It took a while to cook, is, I believe is oh, what the headline God, was. Awful. That's awful. Okay. That's what people thought, too. Yeah. It was almost, It was literally almost the end of electricity because of that incident. That, that fuck up. Yeah. We were like, we're not going to invest in this anymore. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> Uh, The first successful flights happened near the beginning of the 20th century by two aviation brothers, but not those brothers. Uh, Not the Wrights, huh? Uh, Not the Wrights, eh? Jacques and Louis Bruguet? I thought you were going to say the Notas. The Notas? (laughs) The Nota brothers. What? B-R-E-G-U-E-T in French. Bruguet? 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 Brigitte, I mean, no, Brigitte I mean, there's, maybe. There's, yeah. yeah, there's several One of those ways. is right. Yeah. <laughs> um, who call, who if called, you have that name, please call us. <laughs> who called... Uh, call us. Call us. <laughs> Email us. 1-800-ALL-BAD-THINGS. <laughs> <laughs> we have that hotline set up. Except it's a 900 number, and we're getting your money. <laughs> Joke's on you. Uh, the invention at that point was called a gyroplane. And I think I've heard of that before, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was developed over the following decades, and its real first practical use was in military applications during sure. World War II. Yeah, that makes sense. When the first mass-produced helicopter, the Sikorsky R-4, was used by the U.S. military. That's true. The first uh, American war, really, where you saw heavy usage of uh, helicopters was the Vietnam War. I think Korea as well, but Nam was the yeah, major one. Yeah. yeah. That literally is my next sentence. So. Oh. oh, But sorry. that's okay. It, uh, the helicopter played a large role in few further military contexts, including famously in the Vietnam War, and is, of course, still used widely in the armed forces all over the world. Of course, there are also helicopters used for civilian transportation, agriculture, firefighting, rescue work, and the helicopters, transportation. The helicopters that they have now is just like fucking... The- Oh, yeah. They would destroy something within a matter of moments, something that was built like 50 years ago. Right, yeah. Like, have you ever... I'm not sure if you've ever been, but the hurricanes usually have like a military appreciation night once a year, mm-hmm. and I've been to it once or twice. Mm-hmm. And they usually have just sitting, <clears throat> oh, like a display out on that front pad is mm-hmm. they'll have like two like, warhawks or, or something, yeah, something like mm-hmm. that. And you look at those things and like, like all you would need to do is fly over somebody and they would flee. Well, like you wouldn't <laughs> like those things are my, those uh, things are just fucking menacing looking on their own. One of one of my fears like as a child was always fast moving ceiling fans because i was always Uh, like what if you just put your hand up in there would it get like chopped off of course not a ceiling fan but helicopter blades sure look a lot like that and yes they will literally decapitate you so yes they will yeah um but uh back to to all bad things (laughs) 
Transportation of supplies. New, the news industry obviously use, utilizes helicopters. And in this case, police departments. Um, yeah, this is... It's. I thought this story was kind of interesting given the timing. Um, this is a different type of police disaster we're dealing with, right? Not... Um, Anyway, when it comes to helicopter safety, there are statistically uh, slightly more accidents that happen in helicopters than in traditional aircraft or general aircraft, they're called. But, however, when they do crash, there's a slightly lower fatality rate. Sure. So they're pretty comparable in terms of safety overall. Right. And like the difference between a, the main difference, obviously, between a helicopter and a plane, you're not going as fast in a helicopter. Probably not as far either. Right. Like it's not a transcontinental domestic helicopter flight. Or no, that wouldn't be domestic, would it? <laughs> That'd be pretty cool if it was, though. <laughs> domestic if, international if you, flight. If you go transcontinentally domestically. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> we're we're going to do that one day. So let's yes, put up a, let's put up a proposal. <laughs> so yes, in general, they're slightly less fatal when they do crash. Unfortunately, for all involved, that was not the case on this flight. So on the evening of Friday, November 29th, twenty thirteen, it is important that it's Friday. We'll come up in a second. A police helicopter was dispatched out of Glasgow by the newly formed Police Service of Scotland, also known as Police Scotland. This I found really interesting. This police agency was created in April 2013, so like six months earlier or seven months earlier, by merging the regional police forces of Scotland. So it had all been kind of decentralized and they sort of uh, merged them, which kind of makes sense given that Scotland's not a huge country, so maybe it was easier to centrally dispatch, that sort of thing. At 8.44 p.m. local time, the helicopter took off from Glasgow City Heliport on Lint House Street, which is just up the River Clyde from central Glasgow. So just a couple miles away, really, from uh, the Clutha. And the flight had been dispatched to help search. This was... I could not find much information on this. Like, why were they out there in the first place? This was the only information I could find out. Uh, They were dispatched to help search for a potential trespasser on railway lines first spotted near Eglinton Toll. So, from what I could gather, a trespasser on railway lines is like somebody who's either vandalizing or blocking or even potentially like um, trying to kill themselves on a rail like application. Anyway, disrupting uh, transport. By rail is kind of the idea that I got, but I couldn't find any more information on that. So anyway, um, Eglinton Toll, Eglinton Toll, is a Glasgow neighborhood across the River Clyde from Clutha. So uh, it was a clear night, no precipitation, no other inclement weather. So this is not a weather story. On board the flight, which was designated SP ninety nine, that was the flight number. There were three people. Uh, The pilot was 51-year-old David Trail, who was employed by Bond Air Services, a civilian contracting company for Police Scotland, right? So the the aircraft and the pilots were contracted out. And this is David. David Trail. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like, cute little... um, Well, at at this point, it's 2013, but it's still kind of a hangover from the mid-2000s, the little soul patch and all that. Yeah. 
But yeah. Don't get too attached to David. Yeah, He's I had a few. poor guy. So David was a seasoned pilot, a former Royal Air Force pilot, mm. um, and an instructor as well, a flight instructor, who had served in both Gulf Wars. So okay. not only did he know how to fly, he knew how to fly under pressure. Uh, yeah, so. he knew how to fly in combat. So mm-hmm. With him, so remember, David Trail was a civilian mm-hmm. in this case. He was yes. not a police officer. He was a contracted pilot. Uh, with him were the two actual police officers on this flight, police constables Kirsty Nellis and Tony Collins. And this is Kirsty and Tony. Okay. Um, and I know from hmm. watching many British procedurals that a police constable or PC, hmm. as they are known, is... Um, so it's the lowest rank in the in police Scotland. It's a police officer, the beat cop, right? Like sure. the um, boots on the ground kind of officer. Um, except in this case, they're not boots on the ground. They were actually, uh, uh, Kirsty and Tony were specifically assigned to the helicopter unit. So okay. these were cops that were used to doing exactly what they were doing. Um, and Nellis was 36 years old. Collins was 43. Both were considered good police officers, um, veterans on the force who had each had commendations for bravery. So, um, in Nellis' case, she tackled a suspect wielding a a weapon. A guy apparently was like threateningly, like threatening people with a hammer. She flat out tackled him, which talk about non-lethal good like just get in there and fucking tackle the dick so good for her um and then in colin's case he attempted a dangerous rescue of a woman from a canal so Mm. like trying to save somebody's life um in in a dangerous situation so after taking off from the heliport sp99 remained in the general vicinity of Glasgow, presumably searching for the trespasser, obviously, right? Because that was the whole point. Until the flight was sent on a surveillance task. And again, I couldn't find, like, specifics of what that actually means. But anyway, they were sent to Dalkeith Midlothian uh, at 9.22 p.m. So Dalkeith is just outside of Edinburgh. So they they basically flew, it's across the country, and yet the country is so narrow it really wasn't we're not talking like thousands of miles or anything it was about 55 miles or 88 kilometers due east of where they were so sp99 arrived in dalkeith within about 20 minutes and then spent a few minutes there on the task and then sent back to glasgow so as it neared glasgow at 10:06 p.m a low fuel warning was indicated In the EC-135, that means that there's, like, a light illuminated on the control panel for the pilot, as well as an audio warning. So there's both an audible and visible warning. Uh, And once a low-fuel warning goes off, it has to be deactivated by the pilot. Like, an acknowledgement, right? Sure. Like, okay, I heard it here, let me turn it off. I told you. You you acknowledged. Mm -hmm. Like a smoke Mm -hmm. smoke detector, right? It's not going to go off unless you... (laughs) <laughs> turn it off or how many times have we like fanned oh, it God. i remember um growing up and like if you cook something and it actually oh, yeah. burns you have to go and it freaks out the cats mm-hmm. cats hate that sound understandably it is very necessarily loud 
Um, so protocol with the EC-135 and Trail, David Trail did have full-blown training in the EC-135 specifically. He had undergone that in 2008. Um, the protocol is for a pilot to land within 10 minutes of a low fuel warning, right? So it's like, hey, you're running out of fuel. You got about 10 minutes to land. It's just procedure. Right. So you, yeah. Think, yeah, you find your place to land and you, and you land within 10 minutes. Um, but that didn't happen. In this case. So at 10.19 p.m., 13 minutes after the initial low fuel warning, Trail contacted uh, air traffic control. And I wrote air traffic control, but I don't know if that's the technical term. It could be dispatch. It could be whoever the case was. um, To let them know that SP-99 was returning to the Glasgow heliport. Within two minutes of that call over central Glasgow, the right engine of SP-99 flamed out. So to, I, I had to look that up. I was like, cause it sounds like it explodes, right? Flame out or something. That's not what it means. It basically means it runs out of fuel hmm. and stops functioning because there's a lack of flame, a lack of combustion. Um, so it, it's not good either way. Basically the engine failed. So the right engine's out. And at this point, the helicopter, oh, sorry. Anyway, so right engine went out. Within about 30 seconds, the left engine flamed out. Mm. Uh, at this point, the helicopter was only about five to 600 feet above the ground, which is about 150 to 180 meters. Because they were so close to the ground, there were, and this is, a fri- this is where it becomes pertinent. This was a Friday night in a downtown sure. metro area. Yeah. There were people walking down the street, going to different places. So there were, wit- and this is uh, like just before 1030 at night. So, oh, yeah, so there's it's, plenty of people it's out. Hopping, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there were witnesses to this. 30-year-old Andrew Bergen was walking along the river at the time, and he saw the helicopter. He said, quote, it made what I can only describe as a sputtering noise. I, uh, it wasn't any lower than I would have seen it before. The tail of the helicopter dipped and pointed to the ground. Mm. Simultaneously, the light on the helicopter went out. It seemed to me that the rotor stopped spinning. It was still turning, but not under power. So I think he means just like mm-hmm. slowing down, right? It seemed to immediately lose height as soon as the sputtering occurred. Everything happened more or less at the same time, end quote. And another witness, a 50-year-old named Brian Stewart said, quote, it was kind of like when you stall your car when you have it in the wrong gear and it struggles, kind of like that, end quote. A lot of people um, described it like a, a car that wouldn't start the sound, mm-hmm. sure. except very loud because this is a an aircraft, right? So below SP-99 was the Clutha Vaults, mm. a pub, right? And this is 10.20 p.m. or 10.25 p.m. On a Friday. On a Friday night. It, it was hopping, right? About 100, an estimated 120 people were inside listening to a local ska band called Esperanza. Um, and there is some, here's a freeze frame of CCTV, CCTV sorry, footage of the inside of the club so it's typical yeah it looks it it feels a little weird looking at this now because you're it's kind of like why are you all so close together because this is clearly years before coronavirus but if we can think back to the times when we could be shoulder to shoulder in a club or a bar that's what it was like 
At 10.22 p.m., the helicopter, with no ability to continue its flight, fell straight down from the sky, crashing through the flat roof of the pub. Jesus. And here's um, a flight path, so you can kind of see where it came from and went to. So it started off here at the heliport, kind of mm-hmm. working in Glasgow, went over to Dalkeith a little. I didn't really touch on these points, went to a couple other points, and then crashed there. Look wow. how close it was back to the helicopter. Yeah. It was just a couple miles down the road. So That's probably why I was thinking, oh, I can just get it there. Yeah, well, I'll keep going. One of the survivors of the incident, Fraser Gibson, later said, quote, midway through their set. Oh, bless you. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. We edit well. Yes, we I'm do. Not even going to take that out. Okay, so he said, quote, midway through their set, and by there he meant Esperanza, midway through their set, it sounded like a giant explosion. Part of the room, sorry, should I turn this page, was covered in dust. We didn't know what happened. We froze for a second, then there was panic, and then people trying to get out the door. I mean... Yeah. Think back to the times you've just been in a, a bar, like watching. I've I've been the band performing sure. in that bar, you know, and also the person watching. And then just imagine, like, part of the roof comes crashing in. And obviously at the time, nobody inside had any idea no. what caused it. No. Not at all. There was, in, if, in fact, if you'd probably asked them, like, what do you think caused this? Their first thoughts would have been, like, I don't know, some sort of just the roof fell in or something like that. They would not think that a helicopter or a crane, even like a construction crane, maybe. But a helicopter, a helicopter. Yeah, I mean. Falling straight out of the sky. That's, oh, Jesse's rearranging himself. Yes, and, he is. And chewing on the paper. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Um, it's just, it's, it's so out of the blue. Like, literally, out of the clear blue sky, right? Ugh. All three people aboard SP-99 were killed in the crash, along with six customers of the Clutha. And most were killed by head and or chest injuries. Um, One person, unfortunately, was um, killed by uh, asphyxia. Mm. Um, But here are the victims. And we're only up to nine right now. We'll get there in a minute. But the patrons who were killed were Gary Arthur, 48. Colin Gibson, 33, Robert Jenkins, 61, John McGarrigal, 57, Samuel McGee, 56, and Marco Prey, 44. Hmm. 32 people were injured, 12 critically. Sure. One of the injured, Joe Cusker, age 59, was badly hurt but conscious. He suffered multiple fractures, including a broken neck, broken arm, broken leg. In spite of optimism by hospital staff, he would actually eventually fully recover he died on december 12 mm. 2013 bringing the final death toll of the clue the crash to 10 mm. so. so uh there had been no distress call made at any point from sp99 so they didn't think they were going to crash right so the first calls for emergency were made by presumably witnesses on land all the people who had seen and this is 2013 easily within smartphone and cell phone days so the collapsed or uh, the search and rescue operations was difficult and massive with a reported 125 firefighters responding to the scene. Uh, the collapsed roof had trapped many of the patrons of the Clutha 
And the two-foot-thick walls, remember those two-foot-thick walls from the renovation? Made it kind of difficult to get in. Um, But also... I was going to say, also probably saved a lot of people. that's that's possible too. So sort of a upside-downside kind of a thing. Rescuers attempted to get uh, to those trapped through the roof, and then rescue dogs were eventually used inside. Here's some pictures from the scene. This is from can see the blades mm-hmm. there. This is what it looks like from Jesus. the air. How the fuck? I know. It just, uh, yeah. It just, you can barely even see it. It clearly went all the yeah. way into the club. Oh, yeah. or, or the pub. And here's a close-up of what the helicopter actually looked like inside. Yeah, yeah. not much left of that. That's, yeah. Well, there actually, there was, it was pretty intact. No, I mean, oh, mean it's, pub? yeah, it's, yeah. uh, yeah. And for scale, like, that's a person that standing a next person. to that's it. That is a person, right, so, yeah. yeah. So those with minor injuries were treated through triage at a local Holiday Inn Express, which had been set up as a sure. makeshift medical unit, while those with more extensive injuries were sent to Glasgow Royal Infirmary, Western Infirmary, and Victoria Infirmary. Uh, One of the many people in downtown Glasgow that Friday night was Jim Murphy, a Labour Party member of Parliament, MP, who had been walking down Stockwell Street at the time of the crash. He had run into the Clutha immediately, trying to help as he could. He later said, quote, It was almost like slow motion. People just formed a bit of a human chain side by side with each other to help pull injured people out. So people were really trying to help. Responsive. Mm Mm-hmm. A former firefighter near the scene who had himself run immediately to the scene to help commented, quote, it was amazing to watch just how people were trying so hard to get into this building, end quote. Rescue operations continued through the night and into the next day as rescuers worked carefully to avoid causing further structural damage, right? People were trapped inside. They could not you risk can't, yeah, another exactly. you collapse. Can't, you, you just can't rush everybody in all at right. once. You got to kind of plan this out. Right. And- and be very careful because you don't want to cause more problems. Exactly. Than yeah. So those who had or suspected they might have had loved ones inside had to wait until the final mm. death toll was announced later. Now to add insult to injury on this disaster, the next day, November 30th, was St. Andrew's Day, which is Scotland's national holiday. So it's sort of their 4th of July, more or less. Um, I'm imagining a lot of people were out the night before. For that reason. Celebrating, right? yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Many celebrations in Glasgow were canceled and special services were held at St. Andrew's Cathedral in the city. Funerals were held for the victims in the following weeks. Alan Crossan, the owner of the Clutha and the club manager, Saviero, uh, Saviero Petri, uh, who was himself on crutches due to his injuries sustained from the crash, attended at least some of the funerals. Certainly, um, I saw their names mentioned that they had uh, attended police constable Nellis's funeral. So, hmm. I mean, this is literally in no way their fault. No. Obviously the club, Not right? <laughs> Everyone in that building was <clears throat> so, just I mean, the a... unfortunate random victim yeah, of this. That's an accident. It, yep. Uh, because every crash has to be investigated, especially when it's basically a helicopter that falls out of the sky for no foreseeable reason. An investigation was launched by the Air Accidents Investigation Branch, or the AAIB, 
with support from similar agencies in France and Germany because the EC-135 was manufactured by um, uh, Airbus, whatever they were. I'm not even going to bother looking. Anyway, the company was headquartered out of those two countries, right? Um, the helicopter was removed from the Kalutha and its wreckage was sent to the AAIB's headquarters for inspection. Here's a picture of them taking it out. It's quite a an operation they did. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, extract it. The AIB issued a preliminary report on December 9th, 2013, which is pretty quick. That's just like 10 days later, which concluded that they couldn't find any obvious mechanical issues or failures in the helicopter. It was determined, however, that neither the main nor the tail rotors were operating at the time of the crash. So that's why it fell, mm-hmm. right? The, it wasn't moving. Uh, and if you're not moving in a helicopter, you are either on the ground safely or you're about to be there unsafely. Um, it was determined, however, that, or sorry, I literally just said all that, of interest due to the sounds the witness witnesses heard, remember the car stalling mm-hmm. sounds, it was found that there were still about 95 liters, which is 25, roughly 25 gallons of fuel on board the helicopter. So the engines had not completely run out of gas. There was still fuel on board. Um, when it took off, SP-99 had 880 pounds or 400 kilogram- kilograms of fuel on board, which if I did my math right with the weight of gas is roughly 140 gallons of fuel. So it started out with somewhere around 140. It still had 25. So it was sufficient fuel to get them back to the helipad or the heliport. Uh, so this initial report left a big mystery in its wake. If, it, if this flight didn't suffer mechanical failure, didn't run out of fuel, then why did the motor stop causing it to fall? In February 2014, an update was issued by the AAIB offering at least some clues by determining the cause of the accident was the fact that both engines had flamed out. Though why that happened, they still didn't know. But there were some clues. One of the three gas tanks on board the helicopter, of, of the three ta- uh, gas tanks aboard the helicopter, one was empty, one had a very small amount of fuel. And then the bulk of the remaining fuel was in the third or main tank. However, in order to transfer the fuel from the main tank to the operating tanks, like those other two tanks, Mm -hmm. the transfer pumps to get the gas there would have to be turned on. Mm -hmm. And the switches to those pumps were very clearly in the off position. Hmm. In other words, no one tried to transfer the fuel i i i understand that from a sense of uh doing my job yeah well things have to be transferred from Mm -hmm. tank to tank all the time Mm -hmm. and if the smallest thing like if Mm -hmm. oh i forgot to open this valve Mm -hmm. uh it's not going to go there Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. in this case i forgot to turn on the on switch to transfer the i mean it's it's the smallest thing it's not. It's something you've done yeah. a million times. Not mm-hmm. not necessarily something you would think about. Right? You're supposed yeah. to think about every time, but you do it so many times. Naturally, sometimes you're just like, "Oh, I forgot." Well, let's keep going. Mm. Finally, on October fifteenth, twenty fifteen, the AAIB issued its final report, and it was determined that SP ninety nine crashed due to fuel starvation. 
basically running out of fuel, except the problem was it wasn't out of fuel. So it was a lack of a lack of fuel, not because the tanks were empty, but rather because those pump switches had not been turned on, were in the off position. Now, the reason as to why that was the case was just undetermined. They did not make any determination as to that. Additional causes included a failure to land within 10 minutes of the first fuel warning. Remember, they were flying more than 13 minutes after still. Um, So had they landed within 10 minutes, it presumably would have been an uneventful flight aside from it would have been fine premature landing they were like yeah. where you've landed we're either waiting for fuel or oh i forgot to turn the the, switch the transfer on, switches right? on mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know now interestingly it was also determined in the aaib's investigation that a total of five low fuel warnings had gone off hmm. in the course of the flight um And though the timing of, so they knew the timing of the first one, they did not know the timing of the remaining four. Though presumably each of those warnings had been dismissed as the first had. So in 2017, the Crown Office, which from what I could tell is basically like the district attorney's office, so the main prosecutors, right, Crown Prosecution kind of, announced they would hold an inquiry into the accident due to the fatalities. You know, it's like, okay... This is the mechanical issue of what happened. The, the um, There was engine failure because there was right, fuel starvation. But here's right. the problem. What happened right. to make that We're not case? saying it's anybody's fault, but we need to know what happened. What ha- or sh- yeah. should, be any- should anybody be held responsible? Right. Should the manufacturer be held responsible? The police? Like, who? Right. If anybody. Um, uh, the purpose was to determine cause, not to press criminal charges. The inquiry formally began on in April 2019. So this is just like a year ago This that this was all happening. As one of the main questions was to why those fuel transfer pumps were switched off, Captain David Trail's experience and abilities were hot-button topics, right? So like, why didn't he turn on those switches? Multiple witnesses confirmed that Trail was... As one person put it, quote, extremely capable, extremely confident, and entirely one who would not cut corners, end quote. People were routinely calling him a stickler. Like, this was not a guy who got lazy. This was somebody who stuck to the rules, who was uh, kind of anal retentive about... I mean, he was a he was a pilot in two wars. Mm-hmm. Like, this was somebody who knew what he was doing and was apparently not cavalier about it, who was very methodical. Um, so him not turning on those switches seemed very out of character because that was procedure, right? Just like him landing didn't seem out of character. Um, and another matter what brought up was, yeah, if there were five visible and audible warnings, why didn't he land? Why didn't he land within the 10 minutes? And further... Why didn't the two police constables say anything to him about it? Because they were actually trained to bring up concerns if they had concerns about the pilot. Because they were assigned to the helicopter unit. Sure. And they were both considered um, good cops, good at their job. They, They were experienced. So why would they have let that? slide five times Mm -hmm. slide by and not be like, dude, no, seriously, like, or get on the radio themselves, right? There was no sign of distress in any communication. So, 
Um, also important to note here, there was no, nor was there required to be any um, black box, no cockpit voice recorder, no flight data recorder. So they couldn't tell if there had been cabin talk, you know, like if, if uh, who knows what they said to each other because there was no cockpit voice recorder. So. Right. Um, in the end, the inquiry was actually very direct and very, very harsh that the cause of the accident was David Trail. Hmm. The report ended, this was the last paragraph, it is like very black and white. Quote, the central question for the inquiry is why did this happen? The answer is a simple one. Captain Trail ignored the low fuel warnings he received. Had he followed the procedure set down in the pilot's checklist in respect of the low fuel one and or low fuel two warnings, the accident would not have happened. Put another way, Captain Trail took a chance that the low fuel warnings he received were erroneous. That was a conscious decision on his part. It was a decision that had fatal consequences for 10 people, hmm. end quote. So they were like, they, there was no, they, that was a very clear determination, right? Now, understandably, that was extremely upsetting to Trail's friends and family. So his fiance at the time of his death, Lucy Thomas, balked at that conclusion, blaming the crash on what she uh, called, quote, misleading information from the aircraft fuel gauge and display system. We'll get into this in a second, end quote. Uh, Kirstie, well, no, she didn't say we'll get into that, was what I <laughs> end quote, and then I should have said that. Anyway, Kirstie Nellis and Tony Collins' spouses also disagreed with the conclusion, saying in a joint statement that the two of them really trusted Trail. I guess they worked together in the past, which would make sense if he was a contractor, right? Um, and that they would not have trusted in him in vain. And also, I would think a little bit of this is kind of besmirching them a tiny bit, too, by being like, well, they also could have said something. And wouldn't they have, like... So anyway, we're yeah. going to keep going. We're going to keep going. And then we'll talk... There's a lot of specu to speculate about in this case because it's not super clear-cut. So... um. All three maintain that the helicopter's manufacturer is to blame and have called for an independent investigation, which, as of right now, the time we're recording, this does not appear to have taken place. I mean, this determination was made in October. So this, okay. is, this is less than a this year is, ago. This is very much so ongoing. This is still an open thing, yeah. So we may have some updates down the road. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. So... Lucy Thomas, uh, David Trail's fiance, her main contention is that the EC-135's manual indicated that there was a flame-out time between engines. So, in other words, if one engine flames out, you have three to four minutes until the other one does. So, there's like a margin of error, right? Sure. There's a time that you have. Well, first of all, apparently that's not even true. It's incorrect. That's only about a minute, typically. And then further... In this case, they only had like 30 seconds. So it was even less than what was typical. So long and short, she is blaming the manufacturer sure. of the plane for being faulty on some level. Um, she maintains that Trail thought he had more time than he did to land before both engines burn out. That's her theory. In 2016... Police Scotland renewed their contract with Bond Air Services in a seven-year, £17.9 million pound extension with one change. 
big change. All aircraft would be fitted with cockpit voice recorders and flight data recorders. Sure. Yeah, right? that makes sense. And that was actually made mandatory for all police helicopters um, as a result of recommendations from the AAIB's 2015 report. And all of that was supposed to have happened and hopefully has uh, by March 31st of this year, hmm. 2020. So as for the Kalutha, I kind of gave away in the beginning, uh, it's still open. The pub initially reopened in July 2015 after repairs and remodeling, with, and that includes a new large mural showing portraits of the famous music- musicians to have entered the historic venue, which has survived 200 years, Wow! top floor demolition, and a helicopter crash. And this is the mural. It's pretty cool. Oh, wow. Isn't that is that pretty neat? cool. There's Frank Zappa. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's by an artist, a street artist who goes by the handle Rogue One. (laughs) The owners have also started the Clutha Trust, a charity meant to, quote, advance the arts and cultural to public benefit and to relieve hardship, particularly among children and young people who are disadvantaged, end quote, by involving them in arts, specifically musical performance. And that is the story of the Clutha helicopter crash. So yeah, that's a. It leaves it. So here's here was the thing. I was not satisfied by any. And this is just personal, all personal speculation at this point, right? It has been determined by the state, right? By the by Scotland, by um, the Crown Office, mm-hmm. that this was all David Trail's fault. Yeah, I mean. I, I, I feel like there's, I don't know. I don't feel completely satisfied with that. It's only feelings, here's not what, evidence. Here's what I also do know. Um, things break all the mm-hmm. time, especially where I work or just don't work because mm-hmm. we have, it's, an, it's an older plant. Things break. <laughs> um, so sometimes certain technologies don't do what they're supposed to. And you won't necessarily know that until something... So it's possible that, yes, he... And I understand, like, I... Because I, at first I was like, well, why transfer fuel from this to that? I'm like, because you have to have a weight variation in a... Especially a, a helicopter. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... I, I would think so. I didn't get into why But that, that it would make sense that that would be the reason why. It'd be for... Because of weight. It's clearly SOP, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's normal for that to be the case. So it could be that uh, there's a thing in all tanks and everything that have that where there's an indicator of how much it's called a right. line an okay, li yeah. a li, uh-huh. line indicator uh-huh. we have so many tanks that line indicators that work are fucking off mm-hmm. you just have to know after a while being experienced how much they're off mm-hmm. like oh it says it has 83 mm-hmm. percent it really means 76 right but you wouldn't know that if you're just you know walking on it or whatever right yeah. and it could be this it could it sounds mm-hmm. to me more like it's probably a faulty manufacturing thing and just this one well, what was sounds like something was going. Uh, they couldn't I don't know. find anything mechanical, but just because they couldn't find anything mechanical doesn't mean doesn't something mean one, like that yeah. couldn't be an issue. Yeah, um, that is possible. I and, just feel like. And as far as like the five warnings things, mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling in his head he's like, I'm transferring the fuel. Like, what is like? They I don't. Your horse, I, I don't understand. It out. Like yeah, he's yeah. trying to figure it out yeah. as it was happening. Yeah, that's possible. I just feel like it it would be so if they're saying that five warnings went off, I don't think he didn't do anything. Right. I think they were probably all in there trying to figure out like why is this going off? Right. And they're they you were know? claiming that he 
purposefully made the decision to ignore it. I think it's that doesn't more sound right. that he was, for being someone as experienced as he was, with having to experience people with him who weren't about to ignore no. major warnings, I feel like, yeah, maybe maybe what you're saying, like, they were like, wait, what? They're the all trying to figure out here? what's going yeah. on. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, also, and here's the, my, this is what I'm hoping happened, um, is maybe they were finally like, oh, well, let's land. And, like, as soon as they made that decision, yeah. all fucking hell broke loose. Yeah, and they, and they were about to... Because it sounds like, to me, between the three of them, mm-hmm. at some point, if something was really fucked up, they would have been, well, let's at least get on the ground. We're well, on the ground. We can figure it out from here's there. Here's something interesting I saw, too. There was speculation that they were actually trying to land on the Clutha, controlled, because it had a flat roof. That could be as well. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe... and. I that mean, doesn't sound like SOP because I don't think you want to land a helicopter on emergency un- landing. Understand, but you would land on the street, I would think. Well, not necessarily on a busy street. And also with the helicopter blades, no, you probably you wouldn't want to land Maybe. on a roof. I guess so, I don't know. Shit. So, and 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 another thing is like, okay, these two switches were off. I mean, it would be a really big freaking coincidence, but. Switches could have been deactivated on crash on impact, or they could like here's what happens like, at work sometimes. You push which it is, up and it pops back, or which something. is very frustrating. Where you're trying to control a tank from a computer, mm-hmm. and for some reason somebody went out there and put the switch from remote to automatic. Meaning, mm-hmm. if it's on automatic, you can't control it from the mm-hmm. um, you can't control it from Manually. the from the mm-hmm. control room. You have to literally go out there, and and that's. Yeah, maybe I mean, they, it could it could have been yeah. something as simple as that, like somebody had that switch on automatic instead of on remote. You think they would have found that in the? But who knows? I, I mean, I it's just... a million things. What I don't think it is, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the pilot and the the two constables at fault. That's what I don't think. It, I I just think something. I kind of agree. I mean, it is it is is it possible that yes, they did just ignore or think they could get away with something? Yes, it's once, possible. Once or twice. It's possible. Five times, I doubt it. That well, that's the thing. I mean, and even that, it is technically possible, but I am more inclined, especially with people saying, "No, this guy was a stickler." Uh, no, these two cops would have been like on his case about why wasn't he doing something? Um, that there was no mechanical issues. Like, I, I I think it's more likely that something kind of very out of the ordinary that would have been really hard to determine otherwise happened, like a freak accident sort of a so thing. So it sounds like to me. Yeah. I, but that's what really sucks is that no one will ever be able to most likely no one will ever be able to prove it conclusively like no. the only people who know what happened are the are, all are dead yeah. so it, it's just but what really sucks is that that family has to live with there's an official document from the state that says it was his fault mm-hmm. and that's oh that's awful yeah that's really awful so i ugh, that's I think that's where where it gets me a little bit. I mean, it, pff, ten people dead. That's horrible. Um, and some really. I didn't even go into like the personal stories of people who were like, like yeah. One, one article I saw like was right after it happened. It was the one of the breaking news articles, you mm-hmm. know. And there was um, they were like, oh, uh, John McGarrigal thinks his dad may have gone to the pub, but he's waiting. 
um, hoping to hear from his dad. Uh, one of the names I mentioned was John McGarrigal yeah, Sr., his dad. Yeah. yeah. So, like, and I think um, oh, it was the 61-year-old guy, uh, Robert Jenkins. Okay. Like, literally, apparently his, I think his fiance, like, asked him to go grab her a cranberry juice from the pub, and that's where... He he went into mm. the pub and that's what happened. And it's just freak accidents are just they suck. Yeah, because like there's just nothing what you can do the about fuck? it. Yeah. You know, and I don't mean to piss on everybody's everything happens for a reason, but I'm sorry. Not <laughs> yes, always. No, <laughs> I don't think so. If something happened to me. It would likely be for a reason. <laughs> but I'm not. You mean you deserve? <laughs> <laughs> Likely. No. Twenty years ago, certainly. Nobody um, deserves that. But uh, but with I mean, yeah, I mean, just I mean, just bad bad things happen bad sometimes. Things happen, it sucks. Yeah. And I feel bad because I feel like this was a bad thing compounded by a bad thing, which is a really and maybe you know what I didn't read the full report. Maybe if I read the entire. Um, inquiry report, it would lead me to a different conclusion. You know, granted, I did not. I do feel that the the wording was so strongly, like, it wasn't even, we conclude this was the most likely thing. It was, no, this is exactly what yeah. happened. And that's just like, oh, that's such a strong assertion to make if you weren't there. You know, and so... Yeah, that's just all sucky all the way around. It's terrible. It's terrible. And, uh, well, that was fun. (laughs) Not really. No, it's not meant to be. I know. But this is why we joke about things, people, because this sucks. This sucks sometimes. And that was a really shitty thing to happen. I do believe that was our first um, disaster in Scotland. We have visited oh, the UK okay. many times, but I believe that was our first Scottish disaster, if I'm okay. not mistaken. You know what? We've done so many episodes at this I know. point. I this couldn't is tell episode you. 156, I, 156. I couldn't tell you if we've been to Scotland before or not. I, I want to say that we have, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah, I can't I would have to, anything. No. You know, we've been doing this almost three years. I know, like that's two crazy. weeks. Three years but and two weeks? In two weeks. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, so, At this point, watching Fargo is going to be like spirit yeah, it'd be like raising. Nothing. Yes, spirit animal. So <laughs> has nothing to do with anything. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so that was the Clutha helicopter crash, which happened unfortunately in Glasgow, Scotland, killing ten people. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I am David. I'm Rachel. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>